Americans traveling to Europe often run into a problem when ordering water. If you've been to Europe, you probably know what I'm talking about. Stateside, here, when you order water or buy a bottle of water, you get water. Water without fizz, water without carbonation. In Europe, this is not always so. When you order water or buy a bottle of water, you'll often get so-called sparkling water, carbonated water, water with fizz. Most Americans are thirsty for a different kind of water than that. A water that refreshes? Yes. A water that cools? Yes. A water that fizzes? Probably not. Today is the third Sunday of Lent. Lent is a 40-day season, observed by millions of Christians around the world. When did it begin? Ash Wednesday. When does it end? Easter. It's a season when you and I are invited, as the Book of Common Prayer reminds us, to make time for self-examination, prayer, fasting, and self-denial. It's also a season for, and this is something we've been stressing at St. John's this Lent, reading and meditating on God's holy word. Today's Old Testament lesson from Exodus recounts part of the Israelites' journey through the wilderness. They escaped from slavery in Egypt in order to head to the promised land of Israel. But between Egypt and Israel was a vast wilderness. And time and time again throughout this journey, the Israelites complained to Moses and the leadership. In today's passage from Exodus, they say, Give us water to drink. God provides for his people, quite dramatically in this passage, after Moses strikes the rock with his staff. Psalm 95 recalls this incident as a cautionary tale. Harden not your hearts as your forebearers did in the wilderness, at Meribah, that day at Manasseh, when they tempted me. The people's complaining is understood as a lack of faithfulness, even a testing of God by the psalmist. In the New Testament lesson from the letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul repeats the major theme of this letter, which many argue was the major theme of early Christianity. We are justified by faith. And Paul also highlights the benefits of struggle. The, the benefits of struggle? Yeah, this was something he knew well from his own colorful life of missionary adventure. But we also boast in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Certainly, most of us can probably point out how we've grown in some way, as a result of suffering and struggle. However, we might not, probably most of us, as Paul does, boast of our struggles, despite the good things that sometimes come from them. Finally, in St. John's Gospel, we find the famous encounter between a Jewish man taking a rest stop and a Samaritan woman fetching water from a well. Oh, 
by the way, do you think that the scholars who put together the lectionary, the schedule of Bible readings for each Sunday, want us to make connections between the lesson from Exodus? With the people demanding water in the wilderness? With the lesson from John and Jesus offering living water? Do they want us to make that connection? You betcha. Have you noticed that in most of our Sunday service, we have something called the peace, the exchanging of the peace? Historically, the exchanging of peace was more than an opportunity for brief intermission between the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the table. In the early centuries of the church, the peace was more than an opportunity to just be friendly. You know, there's nothing wrong with being friendly with your fellow worshipers. Though in New England, where I'm from, we'd say, no hugging, please. A shake of the hand will do. But that wasn't the intention of the peace. In the early church, in order to receive communion, you needed to be, to use the words of the Book of Common Prayer, in love and charity with your neighbors. The passing of the peace was a sign and an invitation to be in right relationship with everyone in the church. This kind of understanding about community, about communion, this kind of piety has continued for centuries. In the parish I served many years ago, we had a beloved member named Millie. She was in her 80s when I got there. And I would notice that very occasionally she did not come forward to receive Holy Communion. And that's pretty unusual. Episcopalians, Anglicans believe, like most Christians in the world, that we need to receive communion regularly in order to live the kind of life Jesus calls us to live. To willingly choose to refuse the strength, grace, and power given to us in communion for the challenges of our lives is a strange thing for a Christian to do. Why would you refuse that? But when I asked this great lady who was a great grandmother, who had raised a large family on a farm, who had seen it all, why she hadn't received, she said, I'm not right with someone. I'm not right with someone. What does this have to do with the peace? Well, is it an accident that the peace follows the confession in the service? No. Is it an accident that the Eucharist follows the peace? No. Before we come to God intimately in the Eucharist, before we approach the Holy Altar, we are invited to confess our sins and to be in love and charity with our neighbors. Millie and other Christians who take the preparation to receive Holy Communion and who take the exchanging of the peace very seriously are living out the words of Jesus himself. Here's what Jesus says in the Gospels. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Now, let's be clear. 
you and I will not always be able to be in right relationship with everyone outside or even within the red doors of this church every time we receive Holy Communion. Now, should we strive to be? Absolutely. The weekly reception of communion worship should be a check about, hey, how am I doing with my relationships, my connections with people? But the fact that we won't always be in right relationship every week when we receive communion, well, that's okay. In fact, receiving communion can also be a way to work through a forgiveness issue and a way for you to receive the strength you need to reconcile a relationship. Nonetheless, let the exchanging of the peace be a reminder to you of the importance of mending the relational fences in your life. Imagine how many friendships, how many relationships, how many marriages, family relationships, work relationships, and so on would be transformed, saved, restored, enriched, deepened, if, if every Christian, if you and I, took the peace seriously every week. Imagine how many friendships, relationships, marriages, family relationships, work relationships, etc. would be transformed, saved, restored, deepened, enriched if every Christian, if you and I, took the peace seriously every week. Let the peace also remind you that like the woman at the well, Jesus has a gift of peace to offer you. Peace for your heart, mind, and soul. That's the kind of spiritual water we're all thirsty for. Fizz or no fizz. So live the liturgy. Be a disciple. Make things right with your neighbor. Receive the gift of peace. The gift of living water. Gushing up to eternal life. Amen. Um.